Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. Uh, we are very sorry it's taken us a long time uh, to get these episodes out for you. Um, you know, we are late. We're a day late here. Uh, we took off last week because we had two bears with Tom Segura. If you've not listened to that, you should. Um, and our Patreon episode will be out later today. But we were just finishing up uh, a little bit of a studio revamp. And uh, the last few shows on this first mini leg of a tour. I wasn't out there doing a ton of stand-up. I was in a movie that I carried a little bit. Um, even though it was one scene, it was kind of the glue in the film. Um, and it, it monopolized a lot of my time, about three months of my time, uh, shooting a, what will be a, like a mega blockbuster, um, hopefully. And I was unable to be on the road uh, the way I you kind of am. And so we kind of strung together a tour that was all over the place. But a lot of you guys came out and we sold out Chicago Theater and we almost sold out the Masonic. There was a few... Uh, tickets left in San Fran, which is, wow, is that bad over there? You know, it is not, it is not, <laughs> it is not a right-wing media narrative <laughs> that San Francisco is bad. It is truly bad. It is mouth agape. You like the bear from the Sochi Olympics? Thank you, Russia. Um, <laughs> but it is mouth agape. Uh, oh, my God. I've never seen anything like this. Broad daylight. Horror, and uh, you know, all the stores are leaving, and so I was really impressed. We did about two thousand tickets in a city in, in that condition. That's great. I think that's great. I'm happy with that. I am happy with that. Um, I I think it's going to be the next American city to fall. Remember yeah. when Detroit fell? <laughs> Detroit fell. That's how you knew people had given up on the country. Um, Detroit didn't have a police force. They didn't, they, it was hard to get water to certain parts of the city. Like the city fell and we went, okay, San Fran is going to be the next city to be completely abandoned, which is sad. The food is amazing. We went to a Chinese restaurant, picked it at random, and we went right after the show. Some of the best Chinese food you'll ever have. Um, it's an important city culturally. It's an important city um, in, in a lot of different respects, you know? Uh, economically, it was very important to Northern California. Uh, a, a lot of the... Uh, you know, tech companies originated in San Francisco. Um, but now it is, it, is as, it is as bad as it's going to get. I don't know how it gets worse. I don't. I don't know what could happen to make it worse. Um, and, uh, you know, there's nothing to do except go in and, and then leave immediately. But it is fun if you like a little bit 
of disaster tourism, which I like, I think, and you got to be sick fucks to enjoy it, but if you're watching this, you are. Part of the fun of the next 30 years in America will be kind of a disaster tourism. Going to the worst places, there will be many, where you have fentanyl addicts in the street. I saw a guy in San Fran, he was shitting and jabbing himself with a needle in his leg. And you know, I gotta be honest with you. Listen, is it sad? Yes. But you have to make the best of it. And I do believe that like part of the next, you know, the next phase of tourism in America will be like, it's not only going to be like, let's see the, you know, Yellowstone National Park. It's going to be like, let's see the city that everybody's fleeing. Let's go to the place that every, and it's kind of fun. And you get into the Chinese restaurant, you're like looking outside, you're like, what's going on? And then you see like a the homeless person and they're like, kind of they got a thing over them and they're draped in like a cape, but they're still on the motorized chair and they just go by. And then you're like, you're hitting the guy next to you. You're like, look at that, look at that. We're in it, we're <laughs> in it. It's fun, it's a little fun. And you have to embrace it. And I think kind of that's San Francisco's next move. It's like, we're a ghoulish attraction. It's become a ghoulish attraction. And it's a little fun, you know, because the food is great and it's fun, but you're always kind of alert. I mean, why are these faggoty Americans going to escape rooms? Why are they <laughs> manufacturing danger for their sad, suburban, meaningless lives? Go to the cities we've ruined. <laughs> Go to the cities that we've destroyed with, with our politics. Go to the places where we've crushed the human spirit and enjoy them for what they are. I mean, isn't that better than doing a dumb escape room or doing something stupid? These people go to haunted houses, haunted hayride. You don't need any of that. You're an adult. Adults should go to these, go to Flint, Michigan. And the, here's actually why you can't get mad at me. Because I know people are getting maybe like, they're like, oh, this is actually not tasteful. It is, and I'll tell you why. Gawking at the human waste. Because it's just a waste of potential of life. Whatever you want to say, right? I mean, it's not, I'm not into, they are human beings. And I'm not trivializing the problems. What I'm saying is, gawking at them in their moment of need actually helps them because the tourism money they need. If you go to Flint, Michigan to gawk at the hell, you're filling up the hotels, you're filling up the restaurants. It's actually good for them. It's actually not what you're thinking. It's the other way. So all these people that are like, well, this sounds actually pretty heartless. So you're telling me I should go with my suburban, you know, comfortably middle-class group of friends and we should go do a night or two in a disaster area like San Fran? Yes! <laughs> yes, because the tourism dollar helps them. And it is a little fun. It's fun because 
you know, this is going to sound horrible. At a certain point of drug addiction, and I've been a drug addict, you, you really are not a person at, at that point. You're not a person at that point. It's really true. No one wants to talk about this, but I'll do it because we have a beautiful set and we have the Sochi bear provided by Russia. Now, you're not. I've been there. I have been in the depths of a drug addiction, meaning I was a, uh, you know, and I think maybe the worst of it was when I was in my early 20s. I was directionless. I was working in finance and I was doing drugs all the time, snorting cocaine, drinking smoking weed, taking pills. I was not a human being at that point because I was, you become the drug. You just become this thing that wants drugs and you want to feel better and, and you exist in a binary state of being either high or anxiety ridden trying to get drugs. Those are the only two. It's a binary existence. Um, and those drugs pale in comparison to fentanyl or uh, crocodile or whatever the hell's going on in San Francisco, trank dope or whatever the new things are. You can't even keep up with them. So I'm not saying that these people at one point weren't human beings, and I'm not saying there isn't a human being down deep in there. But at this point, they may as well be animatronic. You know, it's a small world. It's a small world after all. At this point, they may as well be animatronic. It's a small world they're, because they're not, they're making shapes with their own bodies that no one's ever seen before. The, the, the way they can bend and shift and <laughs> the things they're doing, the way their eyes are darting around, they're wearing this. And it's really amazing, the post-apocalyptic stuff they're wearing. They're doing big hats and it's very black and large capes. <laughs> and I like it. I think it's actually good. It's very, and the, they're on the motorized scooter. And I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you, and I want you to bring this up. And I want you to close up on this woman. And I don't know if it's a woman and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, I, and again, I'm not trying because this this helps them. Do you get it? Are you with me on this? Going and gawking, going and giggling, going and going, oh my God, it helps them. It, I'm, I'm telling you, and I know it, it doesn't seem like it does. I am, but it does. It does. It does. It does. And I don't know the problem. So here I'm sending this to the good producer. And now I want you to put this up on the screen for everyone to see because I want you to basically let me, and we're going to close up. We're doing close up on this person here and this woman. Now, again, this, and people are going to get, I, I already see people going to get angry with me, but that doesn't, I, I can't not do what I do here because I'm making sense. Now, I want you, I just sent you the close-up version too. The next version is going to be close-up. I'm sending, now, okay, you can do it yourself. Get in there, get in on her tight. Get in on her tight. Oh my God. Okay, listen, when I tell you, this is one of the better looking people in San Francisco right now. Now, listen, they go by and they zip by you and, and it's fun because by, listen to me, I know that, I, I know that this isn't, but it's true. Why are people, why are you mad at me? I didn't give them the fentanyl. I'm not letting them do this to themselves. I am not letting them do this to themselves. But 
I like that hat she has. It's sort of a that hat with the on the top with that. Look at the fit for a minute. Look at the fit, because the fit is actually not bad at all. <laughs> By any stretch, the fit is not bad. Now, I hope this woman goes to heaven soon because we have let her, now you can get it away now, but you, we have let her, here's the problem. We have let these cities descend into chaos. We have let people destroy their lives with narcotics because we feel like it is compassionate to not arrest them, force them into treatment, or put them in jail. And because we have decided that all the problems in America, and there are some of them that certainly come from inequality. We know that. We're not dumb. San Francisco is one of the highest housing, you know, it's crashing now, but it's one of the most expensive places to live. And we know that people can get forced into homelessness because they're in a real estate market that is pricing them out. And we know that, and we're not saying, but we we also have to recognize that the homeless problem in San Francisco is not just a function of the rising cost of housing. It is a function of, of rampant drug use that has been normalized in every part of the city where people that are addicted to drugs can do them in the street, can buy them in the street, can turn tricks uh, you know, with their bodies and buy drugs immediately after. It's not simply just about wealth inequality, which is a great talking point of people. There's many other things that are going into it. Um, it's an issue of policing. It's an issue, frankly, of what you will tolerate as a city. So I am saying at this point now, absent any other options, going to San Francisco and gawking at the people whose lives have been destroyed by the politics of that city is actually the most humane thing you can do. It is the most humane thing you can do because otherwise you are ignoring it and you're not spending your money there. And even if you spend your money there, will it help? Not really, but it's better than not spending your money there. They need a tax base. They need something. They need to give someone a blanket. So... The reality is, I know that it seems cruel and heartless to suggest my course of action, which is to make San Francisco a tourism hub for people that want to just, you know, they're kind of bored and, they're, and they want to go there and they kind of want to be like, oh my God. But I'm telling you right now, it's actually great. It's actually the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Um, because it infuses the city with capital. And, and if we're not going to solve it, if we're not going to develop better policies, um, the only thing left to do truly, truly is to, to, to see it as a kind of a haunted house, like a screen park, <laughs> to see it as a little bit of a screen park and to go and eat the good food and the great quesadilla at El Farolito or the great, and then you come in, you know, and then you're just like, whoa, look at that. Whoa, look at that one. Oh my God. And I'm telling you, it actually helps. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The cast of Boy Meets World, who, by the way, look as bad, if not worse, than the uh, uh, citizens of San Francisco. The cast of Boy Meets World, which is a show that I grew up watching, uh, is getting involved in the writer's strike. They are... It is so sad. By the way, L.A. has been gray now for months because God hates the writers, apparently. <laughs> um, God loves executives. Who knew? God loves the studio executives. It has been gray. Since these motherfuckers have walked down on their jobs, it has been nothing but gray and overcast. Now, the writers uh, are negotiating for a better deal, which, again, we are supporting the writers. I support them. You know, but I've said many times on the show, literally my best friends are all the streamer CEO executives. So it's like weird. I, I occupy this like weird middle space. That being said, this is a very sad thing. Here's what happens. This is what happens. L- let's just be very clear about what this is. These people are done. <laughs> They're done in the business. They're done. At one point, they had it all. They were on a hot show. People cared. They had stuff going on. At this point, they are done in this business and their lives are horrible. They're, they are a few steps away from that woman in the wheelchair <laughs> with the hat. Okay? This is not a nice place when they throw you out. It throw, they throw you out. You're done. These people are done. Now, however, they're, getting, they're, they're back in because of the WGA strike. And it's very sad. They do this bit that's not a bit that's very sad that doesn't really land. No one knows who they are. They show up to this thing. They're trying to make it like, look at us. The cast of Boy Meets World is here. Now let's get serious. Can you imagine the executives being like, hold on. Boy Meets World is here. And by the way, it's not even Fred Sapp, right? (laughs) The star's not even there. The star, Fred Savage, is not even there. But I just imagine, like, Ted Sarandos at Netflix just, you know, outside the window. He's looking down. He's up on his uh, penthouse corner office. He's like, fuck. So they have the, the cast of Boy Meets World, huh? Yeah, all right. Let's go down. Let's address them. And let they all go down to the picket line. And, but, but they do this really sad bit where the older brother on Boy Meets World's like, we were on a show in the 60s. They're trying to do this bit because it was the 90s and everything. And like, but close up on them. Let's play this. And I want you to look at the pain in their faces. We are out here today to support the striking Writers Guild of America. I'm Danielle Fischel. And I'm Ryder Strong. I'm Trina McGee. And I'm Will Fordell. And we were all on the show in the 1960s called Boy Meets World. I mean, this is, I'd rather watch the Ukraine war. (laughs) Believe in yourselves, 
dream, try, do good. Okay. All right. And we can't, yeah. All right. Thank you. This was very tough to watch. This was very sad. The cast of Boy Meets World, by the way, I mean, belaggered. Sad. I mean, it's just tough. I would, I would never show. I would never show up if I was. I would never. I would just oof. Would I? Would I leave and never come back? Would I leave and never come back? You know. But that's why we, we can't make cities like Austin these like up and coming hot cities because that was like the retirement. That's where these people should go after they were like that was the point. That's where you go. That's where you go. Like after you know you did Boy Meets World and it didn't work out and you know. But it was just sad to watch them and they're doing this chant. You know we all know Mr. Feeney was the principal on Boy Meets World, but no one really gives a fuck. No one cares anymore about anything, and it's just very sad to see them do that bit. And it's Feeney. What do you think happened after that moment? You think Ryder Strong like just got in like an old car and lit a cigarette and, and just stared at the gloom? You know, he was the, the hot guy, uh, Corey's friend, Sean, right? Yeah. You imagine that? I mean, that Topanga was the one with the big tits. What What do you think happens after they just get in a, you know, right? Do you think they carpooled? Do you think there's multiple cars owned in that group? Or do you Uber think pool. do you think there's like a one? Do you think they do an Uber pool that Ryder Strong is driving? He goes, all right. He turns to her. He goes, he turns to her. He goes, by the way, can you request it? Because I actually have to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough to watch because obviously some of these writers are, you know, they're being they're, they're coming back from the dead. Some of these people, it's like Night of the Living Dead on these picket lines out here. People that haven't worked in forever, people are like, oh, my God, what happened to you? And they're like, ah. You know, they let's bust them in from San Fran. Some of those people were writers, too. Um but again, we hope this ends soon and we wish them well. I mean, that's that's all we can do here. It's all we could do. Um, that's another thing. If you if San Fran is too much disaster tourism, drive by the WGA picket lines <laughs> in Hollywood and you will see a lot of people whose lives are in disarray. Their lives are in disarray. Um uh, and by the way, just to make a quick uh, statement, the Ukraine counteroffensive is on its uh, underway. We don't know how they're doing. It's mixed reactions. We can't get anything uh, real in the press. The New York Times, however, is now starting to acknowledge that, like, some of the Nazi symbols on the front line of the Ukraine uh, are a bit confusing. Nazi symbols on Ukraine's front lines highlight thorny issues of history. I, there's <laughs> nothing better than the word thorny. Uh, troops' use of patches bearing Nazi emblems risks fueling Russian propaganda. So, now, again, this is hilarious. I want you to read this headline like you're an adult. Troops' use of patches bearing Nazi emblems <laughs> risks fueling Russian propaganda. Uh, what about it risks fueling the reality that they like Nazis and or are Nazis, which again, you can say that we have a strategic interest in working with them if you want. I don't know that that's the case. I've argued, you know, quite persuasively on multiple platforms <laughs> um, that it we don't, that our strategic interest is actually in trying to de-escalate this conflict. But it's hilarious. This is the paper of record. The New York Times are coming out and they're going, well... 
because remember when this started, everybody was pinning medals on these guys and, you know, they were showing up at galas or whatever and they were going, these are the heroes and these and when, uh, you know, all this stuff. And now, and then a lot of people were like, wait a minute, but Ukraine for years, in addition to being one of the most corrupt countries in Europe, was a hotbed, a bastion, if you will, of white supremacy, of, of literal Nazism, of youth Nazi movements. And I'm not saying we don't, we've got a few in this country. The little Nazis are running around here as well, right? But like, you know, they had like Charlottesville 2.0. I mean, so, so, you know, again, I'm not saying that we don't have those issues, but, you know, for years and years, everyone in the media called everyone that had a differing opinion on anything a Nazi. That was a pejorative thrown at a lot of people. You're not, and there were real Nazis. There are legitimately real, you know, people in America that genuinely are down that road, you know? And that's obviously, you know, worth pointing out. But when you broad brush everybody and say Nazi, 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 it cut likes calling everyone a racist or what they're doing uh, right now on Twitter. Everyone's a groomer. Everyone's a pedophile. We love just one word. And then like the people that are really like, if you were an actual pedophile now, you're probably like, Oh, okay, <laughs> man, they're can't they're, They got a big net here. They'll never get me. Um, but now the New York times is finally starting to admit because it's gotta be awkward for them. Right? Because like they're over there trying to portray this as a th one thing. This narrative is something. A an image of a Ukrainian soldier wearing a patch containing the Totenkov symbol, an example of Nazi iconography that was posted on the Twitter account of Ukraine's defense ministry, then deleted. Here's the reality. We, we, we need to, if, if, they're, if you want to make them the good Nazis, make them the good Nazis, but you have to admit that they are Nazis. I mean, it's like kind of hilarious. They're like, literally, they've got the patches. They're, they're Sieg Heiling. They're doing all this stuff. And then like, the New York Times is like, well, these patches might aid in Russian propaganda. I'm like, maybe these patches are going to make Americans think we shouldn't be dumping hundreds of billions of dollars into this war that is so clear cut, I guess, if you are six. Like, if you are a child, like many of the Hollywood celebrities that comment on this war are, um, then it's easily explained. If you know anything about world history, like the slightest bit, like anything, like uh, if you, like, watched half of a documentary once before you lost Wi-Fi in a plane, <laughs> you would know that it's actually thorny, as the New York Times would say. It's a little thorny, okay? When the United States and NATO acts as a fucking uh, uh, imperialist aggressor all over the world and is encircling Russia, a country that's deeply paranoid about being invaded, rightly or wrongly, they are, okay? And if you look at their history, it, it, you, can, you can pretty much see why, okay? They've been invaded multiple times. Now, when a country like that sees the United States encroaching into their area, okay, when they see what happened in the Ukraine, when Ukraine is going and almost really ethnically cleansing Russian-speaking People, they're banning political parties. They're banning the Rus Russian Orthodox Church, okay? The Ukraine sending these paramilitary troops into those regions to pur with the help of the CIA to purge any Russian uh, national or, or Russian loyalist or Russian speaker, whatever it is, 
when all of that's happening and Russia decides that they are going to go into, and now again, you, Putin is, I don't think he's, uh, I, I mean, you know, this obviously, I mean, I, I, I do have this, which I do, I do value this. But listen, we, 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 you know, Putin is not Bernie Sanders. We're not trying <laughs> to make that argument here that Putin is Bernie Sanders. What we are saying is this is a deeply complex issue. And a lot of it might have to do with the fact that, you know, we have been encroaching and pushing into that sphere for a long time. And, you know, when I had the two uh, young guys on the show, the Biden guys, we were talking to the, the, the Biden boys, um, who I still talk to, who I do like a lot, um, who are not. They're nuts. I mean, they're crazy, but I like I love them, but they're nuts. But, you know, I was trying to explain to them, like, you know, it, the world is not a film, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a video game. It's not a film. I think, we're, you know, the, the, the problem with the way that we process events is we, we are totally ignorant of history in America. Ig ignorant of it, like anything before season three of Selling Sunset, we don't know. <laughs> we are ignorant of history. We don't, we're not taught world history. In America, we're not taught world history. We don't know. We have no idea. We're constantly arguing about the American history that we should be taught here, you know? Um, you know, at what, you know, at what point should kindergartners be shown 12 years a slave or whatever the arguments that are happening all the time are now, you know, or, or, or how many genders are in uh, music class, but outside of that, <laughs> outside of these things, there's actually an entire world out there that has its own history that we could, uh, look at slightly. And if you had a, a any understanding of that at all. From a global perspective, you would know that this conflict is not what you are being told by the lying people uh, at the New York Times. I hate to say it. It's just not. It's not. It's absolutely not. Okay? And that doesn't mean that Putin is Bernie Sanders. And it doesn't mean. What it means is that if you're an adult and, and the New York Times has to go, we're sorry about the Nazi patches <laughs> being worn by the guys we're funding to the tune of a trillion dollars. We're sorry about that because it would spread Russian propaganda if you look at their clothes. <laughs> the, the newspaper of record, the fact that they have to do this, the fact that they're even taught, it means there's more shit coming down the pike. I'm telling you, I've been in a game a while. If they have to do this, it means that there's more stuff coming down the pike. They're getting out in front of it. They're trying to get ahead of it. Because there's more stuff coming if they're if they're writing an article about fashion in the middle of a counteroffensive, <laughs> it means that there's more coming. You're, I'm telling you, the the this war is going to unwind much quicker than Iraq, much quicker than Afghanistan. Now, in real time, you're seeing it with the vaccine. You're seeing it with that. They're like, everybody take the vaccine. It'll be fine. Everybody's fine. And then you get COVID nine times after you've <laughs> taken the vaccine. And none of these people have the decency to just shut up about it. They're still promoting it. They're still pumping it. I was a subprime mortgage guy. After a good scam, leave quietly. You know? We didn't knock on people's doors a year after we sold them a mortgage. We go, how's it going? I'm the guy. You know, we, you get it. Stick and move, hustler. Move. <laughs> But you're gonna you're gonna see this 
You're going to, it's a, we're already starting, like Zelensky's going to get, because the American people have kind of already had enough. There's a little bit of fatigue here. So the government's going to throw Zelensky away the way they throw everyone away. They throw everyone away when they're no longer useful. Remember that chick, Christine Blasey Ford, who went out and accused uh, the Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court guy, and then she was like the talk of the town for two weeks. Then it was like, you're out. They're going to throw Megan in. When Megan and Harry first moved here and we could hit the royal family and say, they're racist, and now we're sick of them, and they're out, he's out soon. Zelensky's on his 14th minute right now, and that's where they're starting to run articles like this. Little by little, they're preparing people for the total about face where we go, yeah, we don't, I don't know. It'll be an ultimate gaslighting. It'll be like, yeah, we don't, yeah, that was, there are Nazis there. They were like Nazi. We didn't know. Like, oh my God. Like, it's going to be a total gaslighting. They're going to, like, they're doing with the vaccine. You know, when Trudeau goes, like, I never told, no, we, no one required you to take the vaccine. <laughs> Nobody's, who is requiring you to take the vaccine? You, you needed it to get into a deli. They're, they're saying, so this will be a total gaslighting too. And, and if you're actually somewhat aware, you can start to see these little articles, little seeds that they're planting. Going, well, you know, they are wearing Nazi vests. That's weird. That's odd because we've realized we can, we got to prepare for China now because that's the real fight. China, it's not this crap. If you're thinking about taking an environmentally sound vacation, because that's most people right now. Most people in America are concerned with their carbon footprint when they travel. Is that not true? Is that not true? Is that, isn't that why we love cruises so much? Because it's an efficient way to get 3,000 morbidly obese people out into the middle of the ocean. Is that not why we're doing it? But they're at CBS News, by the way. Now, imagine running this story. I mean, this is kind of hilarious. So CBS News, in the midst of what's going on, where we have one of our presidents is indicted, uh, one of our presidents, Donald Trump, our ex-president, was indicted. Uh, Joe Biden is going to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, perhaps dealing with some stuff about the Burisma, the energy company in the where Ukraine, that's coming out that he had deals with with him and his son. Um, we have this real crisis of uh, confidence in our political systems, with our Justice Department maybe acting politically. Uh, we have issues all over the place. And CBS has decided that right now the most important thing to focus on is uh, how much methane gas is being used on your trip uh, in the summer. Now, most a lot of Americans cannot afford to go on a trip. Now, of course, CBS doesn't cover that. CBS doesn't cover that. They don't cover the fact that there's people that are lining up at food banks because they can't eat. Uh, their children are going to bed hungry. They can't find work. They're living in areas of the country that we've given up on. Rural America, we don't give a shit. Republican, Democrat, whoever. Nobody gives a fuck about any of these. So they're not talking to those people. But they are talking to people, I guess, that are going to take a vacation. Not only are they going to take a vacation, but they have the luxury of thinking about how to do it in an environmentally sound way. CBS News, let's watch this right. And by the way, when you watch this, it is the most insane segment I have seen in a very long time from the media, and that tells you something. Let's watch the good people at CBS News, The Weekender. This summer, some people are looking for ways to take a vacation while also cutting down on their greenhouse gas emissions. Who? The ecotourism market <laughs> is expected to exceed $331 billion by 2027, according to new research data. 
ecotourism can have an impact on where some people choose to visit and how they get there. Let's bring in Tree Minch, a features editor for Discover Magazine. <laughs> Tree, let's talk about some destinations Tree. where folks can actually give back to the planet. I love this, by the way. I love CBS News. They go, they go, is there a way we can do, because we're trying to push this ecotourism thing. Is there a way we can do it with a trans person named Tree? <laughs> is there a way we can do this segment with a trans person named Tree? They're like, we have a trans person named Sarah. They go, no, <laughs> no. We'd like a tree. And, 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 and no, no shade to Tree, but it's just very funny. And again, let's watch some of this because it is just very funny, this idea that like ecotourism, which by the way is the most loosely defined thing ever. It's just going to be people, go, rich people going to like nice places and they're going to go, they're just, it's ecotourism. They want to lower their carbon footprint. It's glamping. And it's like, okay, it's not, they're not primarily concerned with their carbon footprint. They want to take Instagram photos in Montana in a tent. But all right, let's see what Tree has to say. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this whole local movement that we've been seeing as a trend across the country, I think that tourism is an amazing place where it fits in. You know, one of the first places Tree mensch. to think about is things like- Tree's a real mensch. State parks and county parks that have a wealth of opportunities for amazing destinations to immerse yourself in, but also the money you're spending there, the activities you're doing are typically directly going back into actually sustaining that environment. Right, so go scuba diving. That's under, you know, list of- uh, <laughs> guidelines and understanding that experts and scientists have of watching what's happening in these ecosystems and making sure they're balanced and healthy for everybody that visits as well as all the creatures and plants that live there. Well, it's great to know that you can actually do it locally and not spend a lot of money to travel. But let's say you do decide to travel. What are some of the activities that you can look forward to? Sure. I mean, the list is pretty much endless. You can really cater your interests to local and very eco-friendly destinations. I mean, one example would be the ocean in general. It's this is the news, by the way. <laughs> this is the like news this. in the United States of America. They're telling you you can go to the ocean. <laughs> this is the news. This is CBS News in the United States of America. CBS News has a, 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 a segment with someone named Tree who is sitting in their room on Zoom telling you that there's something, I don't know if you've heard of it, called the ocean that you can go to. What, what do they think Americans do on vacations that are so ecologically unfriendly that they don't do every day of their lives? And they're using stock photo. They're using stock photo of a, a, a white woman here, I don't know, running her hand on sugar cane while she walks down. Like, these stock photos are very interesting. I don't understand what that's supposed to be. But this whole idea of eco, vacate, like, what is... So they're saying you 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 don't have to fly. Uh, I guess you don't have to go to theme parks because they're not eco friendly. You could go to the ocean. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the bit. That's the segment that they're doing. Is that an example of an eco? Keep going with this because I'm curious. It's like, what are these eco friendly Disney? But aren't most summer destinations like lakes and oceans? Yeah. Isn't most of it eco tourism? Uh -huh. Isn't that where everyone goes in the fucking summer? What the hell is going on at CBS? Shout out to Catherine Herridge, though. She's been doing this a long time. <laughs> yeah, Catherine Herridge has been uh, at every network with that frozen face full of wrestling, like, <laughs> Keep going. Visit. Um, so, you know, one thing we like to plug folks into are things like um, there's citizen science opportunities all across the country. The what? great resource for that is SciStarter.org, where essentially, like, you want to go to the ocean, you want to see dolphins. There are actually scientists out there 
who need the help of everyday citizens who are experiencing the ocean and maybe want to no, they don't surveying for dolphins. Maybe they, they don't need the help of American citizens. Hatchlings go out into the ocean. And there's a network of organizations where he'll eat. Look, it's pauses from it. Is this, they're literally telling people that scientists need the help of people to hatch turtles (laughs) and keep monitor dolphins. What are they doing with all this money? (laughs) I have to now work as a scientist on, on my, I have a job. I have a fucking job. I have to go and hatch turtles First of all, Americans are going to eat the things they find. They're all going into a pot. So this is just the craziest thing ever. You can be a scientist. Scientists need your help. Well, they didn't need your help about the vaccine. They didn't need your help even if you asked a question like, how about you leave it to the experts? But now we're supposed to fucking finger fuck dolphins and hatch turtles? <laughs> Let's finish this up with true. Science happen and unfold while you're having an amazing experience in paradise often. What are some of the destinations and activities you should avoid if you're trying to protect the This planet? is going to be good. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's really going to depend on what environment you are in. Wouldn't it be great if he really goes, emphasizes having heterosexual sex, <laughs> um, having head or she, I don't know what trees identifying as, having heterosexual, they, this thing, that, uh, having heterosexual sex and having children and going to church. Those are the things that I think are they leave the biggest carbon footprint. Um, uh, having children in a heterosexual bond of marriage and going to church that christenings that would just be treat. That's what I go to parks, you go to research facilities, they're gonna have a list of guidelines, things as simple as stay on the trail, which might sound kind of like simple and something that maybe we our curiosity gets the best of us and we want to wander off um potato guidelines that are put in place are actually really dynamic to protect the health of the ecosystem that are there so following the rules and guidelines that are there are now cbs is using um a bunch of uh, black people who seem lost there's a bunch of africans cbs is now using stock footage of a bunch of africans whose tour bus has overturned and they're walking around in the bush in the jungle trying to figure out i mean can cbs not who is doing the stock footage over there at cbs this is crazy from activities that you're going to do when you really hone in on operations and things that are run by locals who live in the community, work there, it's most likely that the money that they're receiving is really going to be put back into the health and the long-term sustainability of that place for their wellness as well as all the things that live there. Um, so it's really good to just kind of follow those those tips. There's something called disaster tourism. What does that look like? Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! Yeah, yes! Like, you know, different different kind of applications, you know, where where people will kind of flood into an area, you know, in response to sort of a devastating event or something that hap- happens there to try and, you know, help and offer support and things. And that will definitely, um, there's situations and circumstances where that's called for, but um, Sentinel! usually to plug into... Operations like the Red Cross, operations like... No, no, they traffic kids. What's best is to go to San Francisco and watch, because they have crazy hats, like kind of the Western, like a Zorro hat almost, and they're in the jazzies and they're on Fent. Uh, No, thank you. Tree's wrong. They're all wrong. As always, usual, you only have to listen to me. Thank you. That's the reality. You just do. Disaster tourism actually is... Tree was right. You do show up. You do try to help. 
Um, and the response to an event, and it's a collapse of San Francisco disaster tourism. Let's talk about the CEO of Dippin' Dots because he strangled his girlfriend to death. Is it to death, or did he just strangle her? He this is the way I, I, he just strangled her? Yeah, yeah. Just Why like, is that even news? Uh, I think because Dippin' Dots is like a significant company. Is it a significant company? Is <laughs> Dippin' Dots? Dippin' Dots, for all of you, I used to do a great ice cream bit that's still on YouTube. Better versions are live. Comedy's always better live, but it's actually a good version on YouTube. Uh, and then Dippin' Dots is the ice cream brand that's like gravel. It's They freeze ice cream in a little pellets that look like uh, rabbit shit or something, and you eat them, and they have different flavors. Get up Dippin' Dots so people can just see what it is. You know, they're usually at rest stops. They're these tiny frozen nitrogen frozen balls of flavors that kind of approximate the taste. It's like, it's like I don't know, I'd rather astronaut ice cream, like from the planetarium, like that that bar of dry ice cream you'd get at the planetarium. That was actually kind of cooler. Dippin' Dots for me has always been strange, although we did have them when we were in uh, Wawa. Remember that? We were in yeah. Wawa. We stole them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, you don't pay for these. Never pay for Dippin' Dots. <laughs> yeah. Never, ever pay for Dippin' Dots. He's strangling his chick. So now what happened to this man how, by the way, I don't even know how Dippin' Dots was founded. How was it founded? Uh, it sounds like it was like a domestic thing. I think. It's yeah, like well, we know it was a domestic thing. Oh, no, that's... He was arrested on complaints of public intoxication, domestic violence by strangulation, walking outside naked in a drunken rage. Let's see what this happened to him. The CEO of Dippin' Dots was reportedly arrested Tuesday for allegedly attacking his girlfriend and storming outside their Oklahoma home completely naked in a drunken-fueled rage. Scott Fisher, she probably insulted the ice cream. <laughs> she was probably like, it's Scott, this sucks. It's always sucked. Scott, it served at rest stops. Shut up! Scott Fisher has a history of abuse, was booked on complaints of blah, blah, blah. He's 43. He attacked a woman hours after she confronted him about his alcohol abuse, which reportedly escalated over the past several weeks. He's probably very invested in this Ukraine counteroffensive. It's, it's a lot of Americans are having problems now. The girlfriend whose identity was not revealed in the documents had reportedly returned from work to her Oklahoma City home and found the former ice cream man intoxicated. The former ice cream man was drunk. They verbally fought until... Uh, the magnate? Yeah, it's like the sheriff constable kind of deal. Yeah, until the... Yeah, I, I don't know what happened here. He choked her. You know, I mean, he, he choked her. By the way, this is horrible, too. The gunman who killed his three children. Right? Did you hear about this? This is crazy. Uh, gunman kills six in horrific murder-suicide, including three kids, as it's revealed wife feared he would get drunk and shoot me. The, the mental health problems in this country are so bad now that I don't think it's... I, I don't think it's hyperbole to suggest that... There are so many people that you're looking at that are on the brink of doing something crazy or having a full-on mental breakdown um, that you just have to tread carefully, tread lightly out there, you know? And obviously, I'm not blaming anyone. This was a horrible thing that happened. But there's a lot of people out there that are really, they have untreated mental illness. It's like psychosis. And this guy, Tennessee man, went on a violent rampage, murdering his estranged wife, her daughter, and three kids after she warned a court he had 50 or 60 guns and was afraid he would get drunk and shoot me. 
officials with the te- I mean, listen, let's be honest. I, I'm pro-gun to a, to, a, to a degree. 50 or 60 guns might be an indication there's something going on. It might not be. I mean, people are going to attack me now in the comments for that, which I don't care. 50 or 60 might be an indication. I mean, how many well people have 60 rifles? You know? I understand you're preparing for the apocalypse, but do you need 60? Seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. Because, you know, you're going to fight the government with them. I know. But the government has drones. But whatever. It doesn't matter. Even if, you you know, what's fine. I understand the, the spirit of it, right? I understand that 60 seems like a bit much. Well, it's not your business. I'm just saying. It's the guy shot his kids, you know? Sheriff Bo Burnett confirmed Barnett, who had worked in the machine tool industry, was the one who shot and killed his wife, Regina. I mean, this is so sad. There's nothing funny about this, but... I, I will say, and keep going here, I mean, that she warned the court, and she warned that this could happen. Um, he threatened to shoot her. He verbally abused her. And he killed his children. She worked at the Seymour Handle Factory. She was making handles. And where did he work again? Do, you, do we know? I mean, so, I mean, this is really crazy. He's one of, I mean, it's like, it's this is like mind-blowing stuff. He also might not have had a job either. I mean, there's that too. Yeah, and I mean, so she works at a handle factory. He worked at a machine tool factory, I think. Okay, yeah. And then he shot everybody and killed them. Imagine Rodgers and Hammerstein trying to write a musical about this era of America. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where everybody's just working in factories and killing each other. Everybody's executing their own families. That seems like a tough thing to get, you know? Remember the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals like Oklahoma? Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain, and he killed his kids. You know, like, it's it's just tough to to imagine... America in this state uh, the, writing great fun musicals about it because there used to be great musicals about the things that were going on, people falling in and out of love, people having these fun little rivalries, but now it just seems to have gotten so dark, so hopeless in many cases that it's very tough to imagine any type of fun uh, musical being written about the lives that people are living now. You know, Oklahoma, the great musical, Oklahoma. Now that guy who's living in Oklahoma found a dip in dots and he's strangling his wife. And I'm not saying that wasn't happening then, but it does seem to be. We do seem to be confronted with it more now, for sure. That's Box of Awesome. This is a really cool thing, especially if you got college-age kids or whatever. Just get it for them. Boxofawesome.com, code Tim Dover, 20% off your first box. Get them this so they're not yelling about Biden. I, listen, we the, the studio looks good. We like it. There's going to be more advancements made and things happening. We, you know, there's going to, we, we do like it. Um, we're all over the place. We're going to put one in New York, too. We're going to put one on the East Coast. It looks very similar to this, except the New York backdrop. So that when we're over there, you know, we're doing shows over there. We could be there. We got to be mobile. We got to, we got to, you know, LA is, is, um, you know, we're looking at a situation where it's rapidly deteriorating and I don't know how long I have left here. I think that there's possible, there's a 
potential that I'm, I, I will leave again. I left once and I will leave maybe again. I don't know. But as of right now, we're, 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 we're on the road. We're in the mix. And we want to have an East Coast thing so that when we're on the East Coast, I spend a lot of time on the East Coast. We can touch, um, we can touch down there and do the show there as well. We do uh, appreciate everybody's patience. We know wrapping up these shows has been a little difficult. San Francisco, the Masonic, and the Chicago Theater are two of my favorite venues in the world. I love those two cities. I love the audiences there. They all came out. We saw that at the Chicago Theater, very close at the Masonic. You know, and again, it was, it, it, to me, everyone, you know, that comes out to those shows, I have great appreciation for it. And the shows themselves were amazing. I don't do a ton of marketing. You know, a lot of other people are much better and more adept at marketing than I am in terms of, like, showing you everything. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, and that doesn't mean that I don't see the value in it or I don't recognize the talent in it. It's a great show, if you know, and word of mouth should matter, and that matters, and we sell a lot of tickets because that shit does matter, and I talk to a lot of you guys every week. So it's um, it's not like, you know, I hate the feeling of, like, even that dumb picture you take after the show when you do a great show, and then you're like, and now, come on, and you take that photo in front of it. It just, to me, I've never liked doing that stuff, um, but I know that I have to do it. It's more and more becoming part of this, but, you know, I've been able to kind of carve up the path that I have and do it the way I want to do it, where it's just like, it's like, it's kind of a lo-fi light touch out there. And hopefully the stuff we put out is funny and people enjoy it. But um, we are going to be back uh, from this studio now because we are off the road. So we'll be back here every week. And if you guys are into it and you want to subscribe to the channel or get, because you know, Rumble is coming up. <laughs> I mean, who just signed a hundred million dollar contact uh, tract on Twitch? Oh, the streamers, yeah. The streamer just signed, but not on Twitch. The other one, Kick, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 100 million two-year contract on Kick. Streamer. Things are changing. You know? And uh, streamer... QXC. QXC. He looks like a Sasha Baron Cohen character. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. And it doesn't matter. But QXC, XQC, leaves Twitch, agrees to two-year... $100 million contract with Kick. So that's what I'm saying. There, there are other places. You know, we might start uploading the show to Twitter. We're thinking about it in addition to YouTube. We don't know. We might start uploading the show to Rumble. We don't know right now, but we are experimenting with all kinds of things. But we don't know the direction that things are going to go in the media space, but things do seem to be heading to an interesting place where... There are more eyeballs now across many different platforms. And that might be the best way to do it. We don't know. We wish the Ukraine well with their counteroffensive. We hope everything comes to a conclusion. We hope that everything over there comes to a peaceful conclusion. I feel horrible for the Ukrainian people that are being displaced, that are being killed. We all feel that way. This is not a celebration of war. In fact, it's the very opposite of that. It is the recognition that one needs a de-escalation, and when you have wars, they usually end with some type of compromise. There's usually a treaty. I don't know if that'll work in this situation. I don't know. I'm not a geopolitical expert. I do know that when the New York Times starts running things like, well, you know, 
Ugh, the guys were supporting war Nazi shirts again. Blah. It means that there's a little sea change here. There's a little wind. There's a feather in Forrest Gump that you see, you know, because that's kind of, you know, everybody's looking at the feather and that's, it's starting, we're starting to doubt the amount of, of, of resources that we've put into this and we're starting to doubt uh, potentially uh, the um, end game. I don't know if we we have the end game here. I think that we're we're finally starting to look at it and go, oh well, uh, uh. John Mearsheimer, who's done the best work on this, he's in my opinion, he's one of the guys to listen to. Believes early on in the war that the Ukraine had the upper hand and that Russia has it now, and he doesn't believe the Ukraine is going to win. John Mearsheimer again does great work on this issue. He comes at it from a very non-ideological non-emotional, cold, sober view, which doesn't exist in America anymore, by the way. There's no non-ideological, everything is an emotional roller coaster from emotionally unstable people named Tree. Um, and I'm not, and I don't even know Tree. I'm just saying like, this is where we're at now in the country that the people that are talking about issues of grave importance are themselves completely... Um, mentally destroyed. And they're the ones opining on issues of great importance, you know? Or our vice president, can you get up Kamala again? We want to do this once a week where we play a Kamala clip. Get up the Kamala clip. Glenn Greenwald shared this on Twitter the other day. Um, and he literally said, he goes, uh, Tim Dillon was the first person to say that Kamala has now crossed into genuinely entertaining. Genuinely entertaining. We love her. I can't get enough of her. And what's funny about uh, the the clip that Glenn had is, of course, it's just Kamala being Kamala, which is, you know, someone who is just, you know, sort of completely incapable of actually speaking. I've never seen anything like it. She's completely incapable of speaking in any rational way for any period of time. She you know, lapses into these weird, like, colloquialisms and stuff like that. Here it is. Kamala, here's your vice president, folks. Happy Juneteenth. Please have a seat. Please have a seat. (laughs) She's manic. Now, folks, pause it for a minute. Um, She's unwell. You know, this is... If someone walked into my house exhibiting this kind of behavior, I would very, be very scared for them, <laughs> truly. If somebody walked in and was like, <laughs> I would go, hey, are you okay? Something going on? This is not the cadence of someone who's well. This is not. This is not the cadence of someone who's well. Let me guess what this cadence is. This is the cadence of, you know, Biden's in office now. Biden is a genuine corpse. She knows kind of maybe how bad it is. She can't really say it. She knows that her political career, which, again, was never going to happen because she was hated in the primaries because she was a cop and she was sending truancy police after, like, the parents of kids who ditched school trying to get everybody locked up. She was elevated to this position because of identity politics, and now she's just kind of there, and the guy she's kind of hitched her wagon to is maybe about to go down 
for being, uh, you know, in bed with some shady companies in the Ukraine. She doesn't know. But she seems to be losing her mind in front of people. And I predicted this months ago. I said, after Kanye, I'm like, you're going to have these really big meltdowns, public meltdowns. You're going to see this for the first time. You're actually going to see people losing their mind in front of you in a way that you've never seen before. Let's take a look. This is the Vice President of the United States. She's nuts. And to my Divine Nine family. (laughs) Is she high? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, something's off with her. Something's off. Something's off. I don't know. Target has pulled my I'm gay for Vladimir Putin pride shirt. Again. This is a capitulation to the mob. Of course, people are people that are mad about the flag, it's stupid at this point that people get that angry and that invested in the fact that they have a pride flag up. I think it's one of these culture war things that has been ginned up to a degree, but it also reflects the reality of like this insane kind of gender stuff that's going on with kids in schools. And um, so what we're seeing now is like this crazy backlash, which anyone, again, it's predictable, right? Anybody that's looking at all this stuff goes, oh yes, you're going to get a crazy backlash You know, people were fine with gay marriage. People were kind of okay with it. Now, everyone wasn't. There are evangelicals. There are people that want to live in a Christian theocracy. But a lot of the public was fine with this stuff. They were cool with it. And then, again, it just became like, but we're going to tell your four-year-old that they could be a boy or a girl in kindergarten. That's when people checked out. That's when people checked out. And I understand that. That's when people start going, hey, man, we don't need the fucking music teacher diagnosing my child uh, as uh, as somebody that has gender dysphoria, and we don't want them going and getting hormones and, and permanently altering their body when, you know, they may regret this decision. And, and that's really why you see a lot of this backlash right now, which is a little crazy. It's, like, dialed up to an 11 where it's, like, insane, where, like, the Washington Times is running articles where it's, like, gay people are killing Christianity. I mean... But again, it's like, those people are always going to be crazy. They're always going to be there. You cannot feed them. You're not supposed to feed them with this stuff where it's like, um, you know, people need autonomy to raise their kids how they want to raise their kids. It's just the way it is. You may not agree with it. You may not like it. It doesn't matter. It's just the way that they feel. They have culture. They have values. They have this... The culture of America, you know, at any given point may not be the culture in a Middle Eastern household or an evangelical Christian household. And then the kids who live in those households are going to have to figure it out. It's not the government's job to be people's parents. It's not the, you know, if people are going to be trans, they'll be trans. If people are going to be gay, they're going to be gay. I didn't need anyone to tell me to be gay. Um, You know, I don't, you, you shouldn't be persecuted for being gay or trans, clearly. But you don't need when you're five You don't need people necessarily steering you in a direction. You should just be able to be a kid and kind of be left alone. And there's too much about the gender ideology stuff going on right now that it, like, has to be introduced to kids at this young age, and and no one knows why. 
People that are my age, gay people that are my age, none of us understand, really, the most of us do not understand why we're telling seven-year-olds that they have the agency to physically change their bodies and pick a gender at this point. They should dress the way they want. They can live the way they want. If they have a severe case of gender dysphoria and they're happy living as as the other gender, I have no issue with that at all. My issue is when pharmaceutical companies, when uh, uh, people make medical changes to themselves, and I've said it a million times, but that's why you see the backlash now, which is a bit insane, uh, from people that are they're acting like everybody's trying to fuck their kids, which it's not. Everyone's not trying to fuck your kids, but there are bad ideas, you know, being introduced. I don't mean transgenderism necessarily as the bad idea. I mean the bad idea of children knowing exactly who they are at seven or nine and being able to act on that, having the agency and autonomy to act on that, that to me is not a good idea. A lot of those children become gay or lesbian without medical intervention. A lot of their feelings of isolation or weirdness or depression or whatever end up being corrected through puberty. This is not, you know, this is a reality. But we're afraid to have these discussions because there's so many people that don't want to be called transphobic or whatever, homophobic. And then there's the people that really don't care on the other side that are like, burn them at the stake who want to make America, you know, Saudi Arabia with more pork. But neither one of those is the the solution. The solution is actually um, a a country that, as Alex Jones, who I think, by the way, is becoming one of the most reasonable people in America. Sorry. It's 2023, and he is. His idea of, like, when you are 18, you're an adult, you should be able to do what you want within reason if it doesn't hurt anybody else, is a pretty fucking good standard... And listen, if you have severe gender dysphoria and you're 16 or 17, you meet with a doctor, I don't think these things should be banned. But how young these ideas are being introduced to people and this idea that they can and should take... And we always feel a little weird about the parents, too. The mom who's like, I'm trans and my kids are trans. I'm non-binary and my kids are non-binary. And you go, well, what are the chances of that? What are the chances of that? That seems uh, interesting. I come from a long line of non-binary people. It's like, really? So there is a little something that's inherently uncomfortable with this gender theory stuff where the mom is going, well, the kid is also trans. And you're going, are they? Or is this something that you introduce to them in an age where they have no idea what it is? And God forbid they make genuine, you know, decisions that can impact them later in life. It seems crazy. It's because it's not enough anymore. It's not just gay people getting married. Gay people, it's here are the new standards. Men and women are out. Rewrite the biology textbook. Can we watch the thing about getting the spike? Women's sports are going to be completely dominated by, by trans men. It's like, it's not enough now. It's just, it used to be live and let live. It's no longer that. It's now, this is an intrusive into people in every space and athletics and education. People are kind of just going, hey man, I'm a little sick of this. Uh, this Riley Gaines uh, girl tweeted, it was a dude, I think it's a trans woman who spikes a volleyball into this woman's face. (laughs) Hold on, let's see. 
Now, what is this? Tell us what this is. So here it is. This is a, a, a woman's volleyball game, and then there is a biological male competing as a or a, a trans woman playing in this, and so they spike the ball really hard into this woman's face, and then this woman that was spiked is then speaking in another clip about how, you know, it's, it's not fair. Yeah, okay, let's watch it. So here's the spike. Okay. Green. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is just what's going to happen. By the way, look at the turnout for the volleyball, huh? <laughs> yeah, this is what's going to, this is, by the way, this is insane. This is completely insane, right? A biological male has so many advantages that, and then just, you know, it's just not, this doesn't, and then they go, well, we don't want to ostracize transgender people from sports. And you go, you understand that, but it doesn't seem to be going the other way. It seems to be primarily biological men dominating women. You know, like that seems to be what it is. It's not like biological women are getting into men's sports and like fucking it up. It seems to be moving one way, which might say something about biology. I don't know. Let's watch it one more time. I love the, the after it, and they're like, ugh! <laughs> and what does this woman say afterwards? 22, I was severely injured in a high school volleyball game by a transgender athlete on the opposing team. I suffered from a concussion and neck injury that to this day I'm still recovering from. Other injuries I still suffer from today include impaired vision, partial paralysis on my right side, constant headaches, as well as anxiety well, it seems and depression. Like she seems like she's turning it up a little bit. I was unable to play the rest of my... I mean, it was, it was a ball to the head. I'm, listen, I, I'm not... I, I'm saying that this is not right. I don't think that biological men should be just dominating women's sports. She does seem like she's turning it up a little bit. She's like, I suffer from a lot of things from this. Um, but it's, cra it's crazy. It's crazy that this is where we're at now. Uh, I mean, that is crazy to watch. And in fighting, it's crazy to watch when you have biological men just pummeling women in the ring. And I'm for hitting women in your own home, <laughs> but not in, not in athletics, not when it counts. Not when there are judges. I'm for it in your own home. TimDillonComedy.com for any and all live dates that we have coming up. We have uh, the Parks Casino in Philly in September. We are at Denver Comedy Works in July. And the Win in Vegas in July, baby. Hampton Beach Casino is going to be up. Oh, there it is. In Hampton uh, Beach Casino in New Hampshire, August 19th. So we do have a few scattered dates throughout the summer. Uh, come see me. Las Vegas, Colorado, Hampton Beach, and then Parks Casino, September 8th and 9th. Shows in Philly. We always love them. Uh, TimDillonComedy.com. You can get all your tickets there. Tim J. Dillon on Instagram and Twitter, where we may start uploading the show. Big news is coming. Some big guests, some big interviews that I'll be doing as well on other platforms. Uh, thank you again. Patreon will be out later today. And uh, we appreciate it. And just go and spike the ball. Go and spike the ball in the face of that. Of That's what life's about. Use your advantages. Spike the ball and hit him in the face. Good night, Sochi Bear.